are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I love your pastor. He is, uh, yeah, I feel you. I mean, it's, it's amazing. This guy's got an incredible heart, his wife, and um, I'm, just, uh, I'm just honored to be here this morning and to be with you all and to share my heart. Is that okay? Um, I come from Calgary, and uh, I've been in ministry for a number of years and have seen some incredible things. And my heart really is to see people grow in their relationship with Jesus and to really walk that out in everyday life. Because it's so important, isn't it? It's not so much how high we jump and how loud we sing and, and how much we pray. It's how we live it out. Isn't that true? One person. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I'll just preach. <laughs> Can I tell you a joke, kind of loosen you up a little bit? Is that okay? All right. So there's this, um, there's this business guy who was uh, heading down to Florida, was living in Chicago. There's a big snowstorm at the time. Got himself a brand-new iPhone, got his wife a brand-new iPhone, and was really excited about communicating via iPhone because you can do everything on an iPhone, right? Or a Crackberry, as I call them. You know, people have very strong thumbs these days anyway. But um, so... As he was uh, exchanging, getting her email address, he wrote it down in a hurry, and he managed to write down one of the email uh, characters wrong, but uh, managed to get out the door, barely caught his flight. It was a big snowstorm in Chicago. Got down to Florida and went into some meetings right away. And in between meetings, he thought, hey, I'm going to send my wife a quick email. So he gets his uh, iPhone out and sends off this email, and uh, he sent it to the wrong person, of course, because he wrote down the the wrong character for her email address. So it goes to this elderly preacher's wife whose husband just passed away a few days ago. And she's in her room grieving, and she gets this email at, uh, on her iPhone, and she reads it, and here's what it said. Dearest wife, just got checked in. Everything's prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> P.S. It sure is hot down here. Wow. Be careful. <laughs> this morning, I want to share with you a message called Mission Possible. And Mission Possible. You've seen that, that movie, Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, you know? Dun, 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 dun. You know that one, right? Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, and, and the whole idea was, you know, these impossible missions. But I want to talk about Mission Possible. What is possible? And in Matthew... Uh, chapter 22, Jesus gets challenged by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they, they're asking him, what's the greatest commandment? And uh, here's what Jesus replied in verse number 37. Here's what he says in Matthew 22, verse 37. He says, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I believe that God wants us to have this incredible love for him with all, everything that we have within us. You know, worship is not something that we do in terms of singing. Worship is our life. We can't compartmentalize this, this walk that we have with God where all of a sudden, I, I just think it's very interesting then when we walk into a church building, all of a sudden it becomes this, you know, sacred place. People change the tone of their voice. They're like, you know, you're walking and you're talking normally and then you walk into a church building. It's like, oh, how are you, right? You get a little eccentric, you know what I mean? It's... And, uh, you know, we, we kind of, we walk, you know, really tenderly and gingerly. It's like, folks, we're just in a building. <laughs> there ain't nothing sacred about this place. It's just the building. You want to know why? Because we are the temple, right? The Holy Spirit dwells in us. This is just a great building to meet in, which is awesome because you can get a lot of people in together in one place. Isn't that good? But we tend to compartmentalize in terms of that worship is music. Well, music is wonderful, and it's a great expression, but really worship is about our lives. And the commandment is to love God with everything that we have, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. But the second commandment, I find it very interesting, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want to encourage you, if you struggle with issues in yourself, it's hard to love other people. As a matter of fact, let me even go one step further. I would say this, that how do you measure your love for God? How does one really know that you have this incredible love for God? And I would suggest that it's measured in how you love other people. It's how you love other people. You know, it would be great if we all can be islands unto ourselves and kind of, you know, we can love God and not have to deal with other people. But unfortunately, God didn't design it that way. Isn't that great? I believe that true growth, true spirituality, the whole idea of exercising and working this stuff out will come in the context of community. It happens in relationships. And sometimes in relationships, there's what I call the whole building of spiritual muscles. Anybody know how muscles work, right? So any, does anybody work out in the gym or would like to or kind of think about it or dream about it, right? Just kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like one of, I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow, one of those things, right? But the whole idea is when you're building muscle, it's kind of a morbid uh, process that, that, that happens because as you're building muscle, what happens is sometimes you have to deconstruct the reconstruct. Kind of crazy. Isn't that amazing? You pay money for pain. So you pay this gym membership and you go and you, and as you're, as you're lifting these weights, you know, there's this incredible thing called, you know, with your muscles and tendons and, and you're actually, you're, you're, as you're lifting the weight, you're tearing the muscle. Isn't that great? And you walk out, oh, I'm so sore. Oh, it's great, right? But here's what happens. As you tear the muscle and it rebuilds itself, it comes back stronger, healthier, in a better situation, and you look great. Isn't that? That's the payoff. You look great. Well, it's the same thing in relationships. Sometimes in that process, there's some deconstructing that happens 
in the whole context of relationships, in the whole context of community. But guess what happens? When you get through it on the other side, you come out stronger. You look greater. There's greater uh, uh, community. There's greater unity. There's greater conformity in terms of looking like Jesus. And, And you know what? I believe that in this community in Cold Lake, God wants there to be a place where people look at it and go, wow, isn't it amazing how these people love each other? Isn't it amazing how these people work through issues? Isn't it amazing that it's a safe place that you can come and be who you are and find acceptance and know that even if there's conflict, you can work through all that stuff? Wouldn't that, isn't that amazing? I believe God wants to raise up a community like that. I would say that This church has the possibility of being known as a community that not only loves God but loves each other. What's the number one complaint you hear people say about churches? Hypocrites. Oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Wouldn't it be nice to be known as a church that is just real? We're not hypocrites, we're just real. We're raw. We have issues. That's right. We have baggage. We're a church that has baggage, but guess what? We work through it. Isn't that good? So how do we measure love? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's just turn there. How, is, how do you qualify love? How is love measured or how is love defined? Maybe that's a better word to use. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, here's what it says in verse 4. Well, here's what love is, to love God, to love each other. Well, love is demonstrated by being patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It is not proud. It does not boast. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That's what truly love is. It's about all these things. Then the writer, Paul, jumps to verse, let's just go to verse 11. He says this, and I find it very interesting. He says, but when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man... I put childish ways behind me. So here's the challenge. In order for us to love patiently and to love kindly and not be self-centered and not be rude, in order for us to truly love in such a way, guess what we have to do? We have to put away childish things. We have to put childish ways behind us. And here lies the challenge because whenever... That love is challenged whenever there's conflict, whenever there's some difficulty in the relationship. Guess what? Guess the first place that we go to? It's childish ways. You don't believe me? Let me, let me, just tell me if you agree with these. So here's some childlike characteristics. They are very demanding. You ever seen a child, anybody have children? And tell me this is true. Are children very demanding? Yes or no? They are very controlling and insist on having their own way. Is that true? They have this inability to wait for anything. They can't wait for anything. It's now. Isn't that true? When they're hungry, I mean, they want it now. 
right? Somebody's patting their daughter. Okay, anyway. Um, very impatient or very little patience between desire and fulfillment. Isn't that true? They demand immediate gratification. They are totally self-centered. It's all about me, <laughs> right? It's not about you. It's about me. They totally depend on their feelings. Isn't that true? So we bump into this, and we find ourselves in this area of conflict going, okay, what do I do in this situation? Do I go back to childishness, childlike ways, or I'm going to make a decision to do something differently? And here's what he says. Paul says this, I put away childish things. And that word uh, to put away, here's what it means. Basically, it's kartageo, which, which is in the Greek, which means to abolish, to render idle, to destroy, to get rid of, to just totally make a decision to put that whole thing and let it go and get rid of it. You know, it's amazing when you walk into a store and you're with your child and they want immediate gratification, i.e., they pick up a toy and say, I want this toy, right? And what's, when you say no, guess what happens? They, they, get into, they, go, they go into this little break dance or whatever, right? And you're totally embarrassed. Oh, don't worry, it's a little dance I taught them the other day, whatever, right? And they're screaming, and you're just, you know, you're about to, oh, I'm going to ring your, you know what I mean? Just, but it's funny, as adults, whenever we're resisted with a no, or whenever we're hurt or offended, guess what, what, what we do? It's a little sophisticated, right? But we go into childish ways. And we do different things, you know, that are kind of sophisticated, like, I'm not going to talk to you, right? I'm going to ignore you. You ever seen that? You know, you're, somebody's offended or whatever, you're offended, and you see that person, you walk right by them, they're looking at, hey, how you doing? And you don't even see them by choice, right? Or you act out in such a way where, you know, you're really angry because you're trying to gain control, and so you use anger in an aggressive way, or you're passively angry or ambivalent, Right? kind of like aloof, whatever. It's awfully quiet in here. You guys are looking at me going, man, you're talking to me, right? So to put away those things, why is he challenging us to put away those things? You want to know why? Because the number one thing that God is after is your growth. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And once perseverance has its way, guess what it brings about? This incredible maturity in your life where you begin to reflect the very image of Jesus. Folks, let's just call it. Let's just get honest. Can I get honest with you this morning? Because I'm leaving anyway. So, <laughs> so I can kind of blow up. Blow in, blow up, and blow out, right? I'll leave Pastor Lance to clean up the mess. But here's the deal. The issue is, how is our spirituality measured? It's measured by how we live it out in the day-to-day. But somehow we have this thing that, you know what? Our spirituality is measured by how much we pray, which I'm not against prayer. I think it's great. But prayer is for you, not for God, by the way. It's not measured in how much Bible we read because God's not impressed by how much Bible you read. He's impressed by how much Bible you live out. You do. Amen? The word's for you. It's there to serve you. God's okay. God wrote it. (laughs) He's got it down. 
It's for you. It's your roadmap. And so how is this whole thing reflected? It's reflected in how we live this out, how we deal with these issues, especially in the context of relationship. So that being said, if God's interested in you becoming conformed to the image of Jesus, what is he going to use? Guess what? From my experience, the number one way in how growth takes place is through relationships. Bar none. Would you agree with me or not? Whether it's a a marriage relationship, whether it's a dating relationship, whether it's a working relationship, whether it's a ball team, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's in relationship that we're going to be challenged to grow. And here's what usually happens is when we open up ourselves to other people and allow them to come into our world and come into our life and we open up our hearts and there's some trust that begins to get formed, guess what? We're making ourselves what I would call vulnerable. And I want to let you know something. Vulnerability is a very dangerous thing, isn't it? Because when you make yourself vulnerable to that other person, you're saying, I trust you. I'm opening up my heart. I'm giving my heart to you in a sense, right? And unfortunately, when we put ourselves in that position of opening up our hearts, unfortunately, because we're human and because we are fallible and because we do mess up and because we do make mistakes, unfortunately, we do have the tendency to get hurt, People will break our hearts. People will hurt us, whether it's intentionally or non-intentionally, by accident or not, that happens. Isn't that true? And it's what you do with that that makes the difference. Sometimes people come into my life and I, you know, you pray those dangerous prayers, Lord, I, I just want to get close to you and, and Lord, I want to reflect your image and I really, I, you know, I, I, I want to be that open book and you start praying those prayers, right? God goes, yep, yep, okay. And then he puts somebody in your life. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And all of a sudden they start rubbing you the wrong way. All of a sudden they start to sharpen you a little bit. And guess what, you know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. What happens when you see something like iron being sharpened? What do you usually see begin to fly? Sparks. Friction. Isn't that cool? God uses friction to sharpen you, to shape you, to mold you, so you become more like him. Isn't that awesome? Kind of get rid of a little bit of you and more of him. Isn't that great? A lot of you aren't saying amen. Some of you are saying ouch. It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here. Oh, yeah. But don't take off your clothes, by the way. Just leave them on. Leave them on. So herein lies the challenge. How do we deal with conflict? Conflict resolution. I'm building my case because what I do know and what we do know is it's going to happen. It's inevitable. If you're going to be close to somebody if you're going to open yourself up, if you're going to be vulnerable, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to get hurt. That's not great news, is it? You're going to have issues. You're going to be offended. It's not if, it's when. So what do you do with that? And I honestly, when I I look at some of those things, 
I know within myself, if I can be really honest, the most natural thing that I want to do when I'm bumping up against conflict is I want to run. The most natural thing I want to do is I want to get control of the situation. I want to have the upper hand. And guess what? That never serves me. Never, ever serves me. As a matter of fact, sometimes it hurts me. And God has this interesting way in terms of, I call it the university of growth, right? God has this interesting university of growth where if you don't pass grade one, guess what? You don't go to grade two. Contrary to our system, right? Okay, we'll push you through. Let's go. You know, you're 25 in grade two. You got to keep moving, right? It's like, come on. I'm just pulling for you, right? God says, no, it's grade one again. Different circumstance, different situation, different relationship, but the same principle. And you're like, man, we're back here again. And God goes, yep, that's right. Time to grow. You can run, but you can't hide. At the end, in the end, God's going to have his way. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to be very pragmatic this morning, to realize that part of this journey, part of this process, is about you growing. Part of, part of this whole desire and idea that God has about you being a mature, spiritual person reflecting the image of Christ means that in this, you're going to go through issues in relationship, in community. So how do we deal with it? Are you ready? You want to, you want to know how to deal with it? Anybody? I just I need five amens. Do you, do you want to know how to deal with it? Because I'm very insecure, so I just need that, right? Just be honest, right? So number one, when offense happens, don't curse it. This is going to be a little bit of a rhyme because you'll remember it, right? Don't curse it. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, right? The, the natural thing that a lot of us will do is when you are offended, the natural thing we do is we get angry, don't we? And that's a means. Anger is a means of taking control. Now, I want to say this. Anger is an, in and of itself is an emotion. That's, it's natural to get angry, right? And, and if you don't get angry, then you're not normal. I'm sorry, but it's true, right? You're just... And and we have different ways of getting angry. Some of us, we're a little bit more vocal than others, right? Some of us, we suppress that anger. We burn inside. We're steaming. You may be smiling on the outside, but you're steaming on the inside, right? It's like, I'm going to kill you, (laughs) you know, especially as Canadians. We don't express ourselves that well, right? We keep it on the inside. You know, we're the only people that you can step on our toe and we apologize, right? No, I stepped on your toe. I should be. No, no. Okay, you know. But we get angry. It's not so much the fact that you do get angry. It's what do you do with that anger? How do you deal with that anger? And when you allow that anger to seethe inside of you to the point where it starts to become bitterness and resentment, that's the slippery slope. But the natural thing is, is that we curse it. Man, I can't believe that person said that to me. Oh, I am so insulted. I'm so mad. Oh. And you're just carrying that thing. You're just, 
It's burning inside of you. And here's what it leads to. The next point is don't curse it. The next one is don't nurse it. And I understand sometimes we are in a circumstance where we're victimized. You may be a victim of your circumstance. Yes, what that person may have said or what they may have done is absolutely wrong. I get that. When you go back, and and I don't know what your childhood has been like. Maybe some of us have had terrible childhoods. And, yeah, you've been a victim of circumstance. And it's, it's been wrong, but, but I want to I say this. There's a difference between being a victim or being victimized and living like a victim. And so there's a tendency where we got this little, you know, this baby of offense that has been birthed because of what somebody said or has done, and there's a tendency to want to hold on to this thing. And guess what we do? We begin to nurse it, you know. We burp it. Oh, right? Poor me. Look what's happening. You don't un- I mean, it's so funny when people say, to you, you don't understand. You don't understand what I've been through. Well, maybe not. But I do understand that we're all human. I do understand we all get hurt. And so you tend to nurse this thing, and you give it milk, and you burp it, and change its diaper, and and. And you just kind of hang on to this thing until it starts to embody you. Like an alien. You know that alien movie? It's kind of gross, but all of a sudden this thing, but literally it's kind of graphic, but all of a sudden you start to become another person. You lose your identity. You lose sight of who you're supposed to be and who God wants you to be because now you're letting this thing embody you and take over you. You think differently. It's reflected in your attitudes. It's reflected in your talk. And guess what? The fruit of it will come out. And you'll begin to see the signs. Some of the signs are clearly there. Guess what happens? You pull back from community. You're not as open to getting with people. You're not as vulnerable when you're in community. You don't open up. You don't share. Because guess what's happening? Your heart's being shut down. And at that point, that's when you got to look and say, hey, am I nursing this thing? Am I hanging on to this thing, or am I willing to put it away and deal with it? So number one is what? Don't what? Curse it, because you're going to have a test after this. That's the only way you're going to be able to eat lunch. You have to pass a test. Number one, don't curse it. Number two, don't nurse it. Number three is this, and tell me if this is true. Don't rehearse it. You ever have something happen and you play that thing over? A heated argument with your spouse and you play that argument over and over? And I should have said this. And I, oh, oh, that burns me, right? And you're just playing that thing over and over and over. And it falls into that whole piece of nursing it too. I mean, you're rehearsing it over and over. It doesn't serve you. What does the Bible encourage us? Take hold of the thoughts in our mind. Isn't that true? Take captive, man. Grab a hold of those thoughts. And don't allow that thing to control you in terms of your mind, in terms of your thinking. Because what goes in our mind, it also, what the Bible says, guard your heart. It feeds your heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flows what? The issues of life. So don't curse it. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. You know what the fourth one is? Some of you are 
We're in the first service. And we're good at this. Don't disperse it. Oh, we're good at that one. Comes in the form of a prayer request. I'm not going to, I don't want to gossip, but could you pray for me? What I'm going to share with you, I want to share it with you in confidence. And I get that, but you need to be very careful. Here's, let me be, can I be really pragmatic? I already asked you that, but I am. You have to be careful and find the balance between sharing something in confidentiality, but also you have to protect the dignity and the integrity of that other person. And what I don't want to do, if, if Lance offended me, if Pastor Lance offended me, and I went to Pastor Hayward and said, listen, I want you to pray for me, and I disclose all this information of what Lance did to me. I have to be very careful because what I don't want to do is I don't want to taint his perception of Pastor Lance. Do you understand? And we have a tendency, if we do that, guess what that person is carrying? Secondhand offense. Right? Look at them. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you as much as you think, oh, I got this. It's okay. You know, you can leave that with me. And the next time you see that person, you're looking at them going, mm-hmm, mm So you're the one, huh? So you're the husband. Ladies, we do this a lot over tea and coffee. So you're Joni's husband, huh? I know you. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, we're praying for you, all right. Is that fair? No. The Bible encourages us. As a matter of fact, let me just read that scripture because I think it's really important. Let me just find it. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, make every effort. I read that word in the Greek, effort, and here's what it means, effort. It's good, huh? Okay. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Man, when you go around and you're gossiping about other people because of what happened to you, because we have a tendency to do that. Misery likes company, doesn't it? And we want to pull people into our circle, into our offense. We want to build our case. And yes, you know, what happened to me was wrong. That was an injustice. We pull other people in. But guess what you're doing? When you're dispersing that offense, you're defiling other people. You're poisoning other people. And it's not healthy. This kind of stuff is what takes down a church. This kind of stuff is what ruins families. There are some people, they haven't talked for years because of this bitter root that's taken life. You ever, has anybody ever done any gardening? I used to do some landscaping, and you know what? I love the perennials and the annuals and all that stuff. You know what I hated dealing with the most? Weeds. But you know, those weeds are tricky. You know what they are? They're really deceptive. Because weeds have a way of kind of, kind of putting themselves in, in such a way or disguising or camouflaging where they actually look like a perennial. And those bad boys and girls can get so, so deceptive that you don't, 
you kind of lose sight of, am I pulling a, a, perine, a perineum or am I pulling a, a weed? That's what happens. That's what can happen in the church. We're weeds of bitterness, and we lose the life of the flower. Amen? Does that make sense? So don't allow that to happen. As a matter of fact, the Bible encourages us in James chapter 1 and verse 26. If anyone considers themselves to be religious, let's just use the word spiritual. Anybody consider themselves to be spiritual and yet does not keep a tight rein on their tongue, they deceive themselves and their spirituality is worthless. Man, you were fine until you opened your mouth, right? It's like, just, we have to get a tight rein on our tongue. Get control of that and allow ourselves not to disperse the offense. So we're not to do what? Don't what? Curse it. Don't. 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 So what are we supposed to do? We know all the don'ts, but what do we do? Uh, you're a cheater. That's right. Reverse it. That's right. We are called to reverse it. Reverse the offense and the hurt by dealing with it immediately. Now that calls us to this place of maturity. And this is where it becomes challenging. This is where, you know, we use words like political and diplomatic. and This is where it, just get, it gets a little tricky for a lot of us. And we tend to hide behind our spirituality or hide behind politics. And I'm calling all of us, including myself, let's just get real. Amen? Let's just be real people and call it what it is. So here it is. Number one, when you're offended, don't justify your hurt and your offense. It's not your right to hurt. Jesus died for that, didn't he? He took that upon himself. So why would you want to hold on to it? Why is it your right? It isn't your right. He set you free from that right so that you can be free, so that you can walk in liberty, so that you can be open to other people and relationships. So don't justify your hurt or your offense. Secondly, release that hurt to God. Amen? Cast your cares upon him for he what? He cares for you. He cares for you. Number three is repent of any negative attitudes or actions or bitterness that may be there. Reverse that thing right away. Lord, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time with so-and-so, and, man, I, I just think really negative thoughts about them, or, you know, I just, I just got this, this thing. I can't even look at them. Help me, Lord. I just, I just ask you that you would take away this, this, these feelings of bitterness that I have. Release that to God. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 18, and this is the challenge. This is the challenge for all of us. If your brother or sister sins against you, all right, so you're, you're on the receiving side. It's either a conversation or something that they did, and you're hurt. And, it, I mean, and you know you're hurt, right? We know when we're hurt, just double-checking, right? Just nod if you agree with me. You know when you're hurt. And you, you just got this bad feeling in your gut and it, it, it's hurt. Here's what the Bible says. This is the challenging part. Go to that person. Oh, man. 
Really? <laughs> that calls for incredible maturity, doesn't it? Now, here's the deal. It's a values question. If you value the relationship, if you value, because what we value, we hold as a priority, right? If you value the relationship, if that is important to you, and there's a premium, there's a value there, then that calls you to maturity to go to that person because there's a greater, higher calling in terms of the value of that relationship. So you go to that person, and you'd be very practical, and you say, hey, here's what happened. When you said this or when you did this, that offended me. That hurt me. And make it known to that person. And in doing that, you're not responsible for how they respond. All you're doing is you're going, you know what? I value this relationship. I value this marriage. I value you as a person enough to be honest with you. And by being honest with you, I'm making myself vulnerable. I'm putting myself out there, but it's worth it. Folks, if we operated at that kind of level, man, I tell you, our lives, this place, I mean, our community would be totally changed. This is the tough stuff, isn't it? This is being spiritual right here, by the way. This is good Christianity right here, isn't it? But I'm telling you, and I put myself in the same boat, that's challenging to do. Man, it's hard to go to somebody. It's like, really? And it says even in Matthew 5, it says, if, check this one out. You're worshiping at the altar. And in your worship, you're caught up, oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I just want to do your will. And the Lord says, oh, yeah, by the way, you're not in unity with so-and-so. You need to make that right. Oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I, you know, I didn't hear that. Because you want me to do what? That's hard to do. What if they reject me? Anybody into rejection? No, I'm not. What if I'm misunderstood? What if it makes the situation even worse? But if you value something, isn't it worth it? Amen? By you opening up that door, there's an opportunity for reconciliation. There's an opportunity for healing, not only in the relationship, but for that person to be healed in terms of their own life and their own issues. So go to that person and make it known. And sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it may call for you getting another person involved, and that's okay. The Bible clearly instructs that. But somebody that it's not a gossip situation, it's not we're attacking that person, it's because of the, the connections that you have with each other that you have to bring in a third party to help you with that situation. And in other times, I'd say in some extreme cases, you have to call for the leadership of the church, right? Or counselor or whatever. But the whole idea is it's not about judgment. It's not about attack. What is it about? The end of the day, what's, what is God after? He wants us to grow. Isn't that true? So sometimes you've got to take these huge steps of faith that are very risky. Man, I'm challenged when I read this stuff. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. I'm just like you. We all have our challenges in relationships, especially when it comes. Here's what really counts. 
especially when it comes to the people that are closest to us. That's tough, isn't it? That's really hard stuff, whether it's our kids, our spouse, you know, a really close friendship and, and stuff happens. I mean, it's really, it really becomes challenging. Here's, the, here's another thing that really becomes key. I really believe that one of the bridges to reconciliation, and tell me if you agree with this, it's this whole process of forgiveness, right? When the disciples went to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, what were one of the things that he said? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who what? Who've trespassed against us. And so when it comes down to it, one of the bridges to reconciliation and having that connection with that other person, it's going to come down to forgiveness. And the power of freedom is going to be found in forgiveness. Forgiveness, may I suggest to you, is a matter of focus. And as long as you look at what the other person has done, if that becomes a focus of what that person has done to hurt you, you know what? You'll never have the ability to forgive. you got to let that go. It's impossible to forgive that other person as long as you're looking at that. I really believe it's important that you fix your eyes on Jesus. In order for you to get on the other side of that, that's where the focus has to be. It doesn't matter what they did, what they said, but as long as you focus on Jesus, Lord, you forgave me. And look at all the things that I did to offend you. If you can forgive me, then I believe you can give me the ability to forgive that other person. Right? So it's a matter of focus. Also, and this is really important, in forgiving the execution of judgment and justice is not your responsibility. Do you know what I mean when it comes to forgiveness? Because sometimes, I mean, what somebody did was wrong, and in our hearts we feel like, you know what, they deserve to be punished. But that's not our responsibility, is it? Our job is to be loving, is to be gracious, and to be forgiving. Let's leave the truth and the principles up to God, right? Because God does have laws, doesn't he? For example, this is a little trick question for Gord, right? Gord, what goes up must come down, right? Any farmers in here? Okay. What we sow, what do we reap, right? You plant tomato seeds, you're going to have, you guys are so smart, carrots. Somebody said carrots. Okay, thanks a lot. There's always one in the crowd, right? What am I trying to say? You know what? There will always be consequences to some of those choices. And yes, you know what? If there are consequences, they're not up to us to execute those. That's up to God. Amen? So in doing that, you need to understand, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to release that person. And I'm just going to trust that I can get through this point where I can truly forgive them. Another principle about forgiveness, forgiveness does not change the past, but it will unlock the future. I'll say that again. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it will unlock the future. It it can become your stepping stone or your tombstone. And along with that, here's a great quote. I I remember seeing this on a T-shirt. Forgiveness is not forgetting... Because 
to forgive, I mean, we don't forget it. Sometimes for some of us, it's hard to forget. But it's remembering and having the ability to let go. I choose to let that person go. I choose not to incriminate them anymore. I value this relationship, and I choose to let go of that offense. I choose not to curse it. I choose not to nurse it. I choose not to rehearse it. I choose not to disperse it. Guess what I'm going to do? In this moment, as I make this choice, I choose to reverse it. And guess who gets the glory? God gets the glory. Guess who gets the growth? You get the growth. And guess what? What a testimony to other people that are looking at this community, and they're asking the question, does Christianity work? And here it is. Yes, it does. Amen? Excuse me if I get a little excited, but I believe it's true. And when you know the truth, the truth will truly set you free. I don't know about you, but I want to walk and I want to have a lifestyle of vulnerability and community, man. You know, when you have connected relationships, it's so powerful. I was talking to Pastor Lance last night. We were having dinner, and I said, you know what? I'm a firm believer in both roads. Remember the Damascus Road of transformation for Paul? And then then there was the Emmaus Road where the disciples walk with Jesus, and in the context of this process, there was transformation. And there was transformation in both. But I truly believe, I can remember powerful conversations in the context of community and relationship that has literally changed my life. I want people to walk with me because I can't grow on my own. I want people to be brought to Christ because they see how I live out my faith in everyday life. I believe it. I'm crazy enough to believe it can happen that way, amen? It's not so much the what, it's the how. Isn't that true? So in the whole idea of forgiveness, it's not forgetting but it's remembering and letting go. Here's some of the things that happens. Number one, it, it, it's part of this whole idea of an act of your will. And I want to say this. It, it, sometimes it's hard to have feelings to forgive somebody. Isn't that true? But when you make that decision, I will, I choose to forgive that person. Here's what happens. Right feelings will follow right choices. When I choose to forgive, guess what? All of a sudden, there's emotional integrity with my choice. And I may have to, you know, a part of that, it may be a process of continuing to forgive. You see that person, and you still get this, you know, bubbling up of emotion of what happened, and you're working through it, but I choose to forgive. And you do that enough times, guess what? That bubbling up doesn't happen anymore. As a matter of fact, maybe you start to feel some compassion, and maybe you start to look at that person with a different set of lenses. Maybe you put yourself in their shoes and go, okay, maybe I understand why they have some faults and idiosyncrasies in their life, and you look at them differently, and guess what happens? All of a sudden you have this feeling of compassion for them that's authentic and real and guess what you've now passed out passed over on the other side and that to me is incredible maturity that that calls for incredible celebration to go thank you lord i'm getting it i'm growing i've graduated now i'm moving on the grade 2 yeah woo That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. The whole ability to let go. 
What does God want? Recognize that God wants us to grow in community. Understand that you're going to get offended at some point in your journey. It's going to happen. I'm the bearer of good news this morning. But know that if we practice this whole art of forgiveness and releasing and and letting go, that not only will it serve us, it's going to serve other people. Amen? Amen. Thanks for allowing me to be with you guys this morning. I, I like us to pray. If you pray with me this morning, Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thanks, Lord, that all of us are challenged with this issue. Because, Lord, you called us to be in relationships. You called us to be in community. And you've called us to grow. And I pray simply this morning for each and every one that you would give us the grace, the strength, and the courage to face ourselves and also to face each other in your presence. Lord, I thank you that Father, there is grace and there's healing that's here in terms of our relationships. And I pray for those this morning that are struggling. Maybe there's someone here, Lord, this morning that have been asking some of those questions. How do I get through this? How do I get on the other side of this? I pray this morning that you'd give them the courage. I pray this morning you'd give them the strength. I pray that they would find the honesty within themselves to take that next step towards reconciliation. So I want to ask you the question this morning because I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, Wayne? I am struggling in terms of a, of a relationship or relationships. And I just want to get on the other side. I just want God to give me the courage and the strength. Go ahead and raise your hand. I just want to pray for you this morning. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for your honesty. It calls for an incredible amount of courage. You can go ahead and put your hand down. Lord, I thank you for the honesty in this room. And more importantly, Lord, you see their heart. And I pray for the incredible grace of God to be applied to their situation. I ask you this morning, Lord, you take your huge, loving arms, your arms of grace, your arms of acceptance, your arms of love, and you wrap them around every individual this morning. And I pray that, oh God, you'd give them the strength to work through those issues. And I pray on the other side, there'd be incredible healing, reconciliation, and Lord, may you be glorified, and may your purposes be fulfilled. And so we thank you this morning for your love for us. Thank you for your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, thanks you for allowing me to be with you. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.